Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. How's it going, Giants fans? Welcome back to Fireside Giants with your boys, Alex and Anthony. New Year's Eve is upon us, the last day of the 2022 year, and the Giants are on the brink of a playoff berth. And that's what we want to hear tomorrow. Big game against Indianapolis at MetLife. Saquon, the captains are calling on all the fans uh, to get crazy and hopefully uh, help them get this win. Now, I'm really excited. I hope everyone has a phenomenal evening and a, a nice night. Don't be too hungover for tomorrow's game because we need the energy. But I'll tell you what. Uh, this team is is exciting for many, many, many reasons in terms of progress and just taking big steps forward for the future. As we look ahead beyond the 2022 season, there's a lot of things we can look at to say, okay, we're headed in the right direction. There's a lot of great things happening. And there have been a lot of people that have essentially called upon Mike Kafka to you know play, call better plays and a lot of some deficiencies. But the last couple of weeks have been pretty solid. I've been pretty happy with what they've put together. And in my opinion, most of that is because of Isaiah Hodgins. Suddenly having a receiver the Giants can lean on and he can go downfield, he can open things up um, in other portions of the field. That has really allowed Mike Kafka to open up his playbook. I think half of his playbook was sitting on his desk, basically unused for the first half of the season because they just didn't have enough talent to extrapolate on it and to utilize the plays that normally um, you would get involved. And you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and all the plays that they run and how they get guys like, you know, Nicole Harmon and obviously Travis Kelsey and um, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, there's so and Isaiah P- Pachenko. There's so many guys on that team that are able to make plays. Um, and you, of course, they had Tyree Kill for years. You could see that their playbook was very much utilized correctly because they had the players to actually get it done. The Giants don't have that. Nonetheless, despite that, their red zone efficiency, which is the topic of today's episode, has taken leaps and bounds forward. You know, this is a this is a unit that ranked dead last in the football in NFL last year, 32nd in the league, 44% conversion rate. And they've taken a significant step forward. We're going to discuss why. We're going to discuss where they rank now and how they can continue to build on the success in the future, Anthony. But before we dive into it, how are you doing today, my friend? I am doing great. I'm super excited for tomorrow's game. Excited for tonight's New Year's Eve celebration. And I just can't wait because if the Giants win tomorrow for the first time since 2016, they will be in the postseason. But one of the ways that they get themselves into the postseason is by being efficient in the red zone. They got to score touchdowns when they get into the red zone. Last year, my goodness, was that painful to watch every time the Giants got to the red zone you almost knew that they were settling for three points hey at least I had Graham Gano on my fantasy team last year have him this year as well he does work for me so it was great when the Giants would get to the red zone last year because I know at least I'm getting three points on my fantasy team out of this but I would rather the Giants go out there and get six points on every single trip and more often than not this year the Giants are getting six points out of their red zone trip so it's been a huge night and day difference between the Giants offense of 2021 to the Giants offense of 2022. And ultimately, that's what we've seen this year, a night and day difference between last year's team and this year's team. That's why last year's team finished 4-13, and and this year's team has a real chance of making the playoffs and finishing with at least nine wins on the schedule. So this is going to be a big game tomorrow. Obviously, this is probably the biggest game that the Giants have played since 2016, since that postseason game. And Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, they need to show up. But as you mentioned, I think Isaiah Hodgins could be the X factor in this game. Can he find some space in those little zones, those shallow zones in the red zone, uh, on the goal line, like he did against Minnesota? That was a great touchdown because he just drifted through some zones. And then finally, Daniel Jones extended the play and dumped it off to him in the end zone, in the pocket of a couple of zones. That's what Isaiah Hodgins is really good at. If you notice how he plays, He's very good with his spatial awareness. He knows how to sit in between little zones, 
get himself open. He's got a really great feel for the coverage around him, which creates a lot of opportunities for him, especially in the red zone. So while the New York Giants are preparing for this game tomorrow, it's going to be a big one. But when they get down there in the red zone, you cannot have those miscues that they had last season. you got to give it to Saquon Barkley in the red zone. you got to give it to Daniel Jones. Let him run for touchdowns like we've seen him do this year. And, of course, find Isaiah Hodgins because he's been the X factor in the red zone and really in the offense over the last four weeks. So I feel pretty confident going into this game. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, you know, because anything can happen on any given Sunday. And this is Nick Foles, who the Giants have never beaten before in the history of Nick Foles' career. But... I really think that Brian Dable is the guy to change things. And I think that stat alone and a few others are going to change tomorrow. And hopefully, I pray to God that we finally end this playoff drought. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when we're looking at, I do want to hit on Isaiah Hodgins because you made some really good points in the fact that he's been able to find zones where he's able to capitalize on. What I really like about Isaiah Hodgins right now is that they're starting to expand his route tree. How often do we see the Giants throw the ball downfield this season? Pretty much never. The only time they ever really threw the ball downfield was to Darius Slayton on design plays. Isaiah Hodgins has a much better route tree than, than Darius Slayton, and it's not even close, um, in my opinion, at least. I think that he's able to run slants, he's able to dig routes, you know, crossers. He can do everything for you. Darius Slayton, to me, is more of a straight line or a crosser guy. Um, he can find the an occasional dig, but he doesn't have the best hands. Isaiah Hodgins, guys, had an 84% catch rate coming out of college. This was a guy that had arguably the best hands in the entire class. Um, now, he was a late-round draft pick for a reason. Obviously, there were some things they were trying to iron out. Spending a couple years in the Buffalo Bills practice squad definitely helped him refine his skill set and learn from some of the best guys in the league. You know, looking at Gabriel Davis, looking at Stephon Diggs, probably gained a lot of knowledge and, um, you know, learned from some phenomenal coaches over there. So transitioning to the Giants, where they have really good coaches as well, they've been able to really extrapolate on his route tree. And I think, you know, that deep pass, that was a 30-yard catch or whatever it was last week he had, fingertip grab, that was a, that was an important um at, okay so the way the best way i can say this is um it was important not because of the 30 yard catch but because it showed us the giants trust him downfield now which means that we're going to see them start to get him more involved in bigger chunk plays and not just small like hot read plays like, you know he's the first option we're really looking at him on those on those quick slants they're starting to develop routes for him you know they're waiting for him to get downfield and he's quick he's agile he's learning how to use his body and leverage a little bit more he got a little bit um beaten up by um, Patrick Peterson on that interception last week. I think he probably could have gotten his body in front, maybe used his body, that leverage, that size a little bit more efficiently. Um, but it was just also a great play by a veteran cornerback that um, he got toasted by Hodgins earlier in the game a couple times. So, you know, it was going kind of going back and forth. A nice play by uh, Patrick Peterson, but I think Isaiah Hodgins learns from that. In addition, he's also turned into a pretty nice leader on this offense. If you looked at the, the sights and sounds, the mic'd up moments, um, before the game, he was going around dapping everybody up, hyping up everybody up on the defense, the offense. People were stretching. He was giving them high fives and, you know, motivating everybody. And he just came off the practice squad from the Bills a couple of weeks ago, guys. This is already someone who's fitting into the culture seamlessly, perfectly. And he's also scored three touchdowns in four games. So talk about the red zone. He's been one of our most, if not our most lethal player there, aside from Saquon Barkley. And I'm excited to see how they continue building on that because Daniel Jones, as you said, really maneuvered around the pocket, bought himself some time and found Isaiah Hodgins. And it just seems to be that Isaiah Hodgins is the one getting open and, and finding a way to get close to the quarterback, finding a way to give Daniel Jones a target 
um, to throw to because, you know, obviously those routes were not developed. When Daniel Jones leaves the pocket, when he's running around, the route street, the routes are done. Like you're really running secondary routes at that point. And I think Isaiah Hodgins noticed that and gave DJ a good opening, ran right behind uh, the defender that DJ was trying to draw closer and really gave himself an opportunity to, to score. And I think the Giants will watch that on film and they'll say, all right, this guy is making plays happen. We got to continue feeding him and keep focusing on him. Now I know that, um, I think his name is Kellen Moore. Like, so you you know, the Colts defense, they're really thin right now. Yannick Ngakwe just placed on injured reserve. He's done for the season. They're down their second cornerback. They do have uh Stefan Gilmore. So obviously a really, really great player there. I would if I if I'm the Giants, I'm trying to find ways to get Isaiah Hodgins away from Stefan Gilmore. Maybe he takes on Darius Slayton. And if not, Slayton might have a, a really big day because of that, because their defense has really been struggling and their secondary specifically. Uh, but the red zone guys. The Giants' red zone offense this year went from 44.7% conversion rate last year, dead last in the league, to 61.9%. That's just behind the Minnesota Vikings and just above the Buffalo Bills and Miami. So, obviously, when they get the red zone, they're doing really well. The difference, they don't get to the red zone that often. So, you know, there's definitely a, a big disparage between um, you know, actually getting there and converting 60 almost 62% of the time and getting there frequently, like probably more than double the Giants, too. If you're looking at the Bills and even Miami um, and Minnesota right above us, they probably get to the red zone far more often than we do. So that conversion rate is even more impressive. But the fact of the matter is the Giants didn't get to the red zone a lot last year either. I, I'd argue that we've gotten there this year a lot more and we're converting more touchdowns because we're being more creative. We're finding ways to get the ball in, in, the, in the right playmaker's hands. And Mike Kafka isn't settling for predictable offensive play. Right. A lot of the times we're seeing we're relying on our playmakers, but we're getting the ball in their hands in unique and creative ways, similar to how the Chiefs get the ball in the hands of Travis Kelsey and they like do Tyreek Hill all those years. Um, they're so, so, so good at doing that. And then you look at the Bills, Brian Dable coming over from uh, Buffalo. They do a great job of converting the red zone as well. They're one spot behind the Giants this year and they score a lot more points than us. So their conversion rate is even more impressive. Uh, but Anthony, when you're looking at this right now, what do you think Mike Kafka has done to really transform this offense in the red zone, help them convert more touchdowns? And why do you think the future is brighter because of it? Yeah, I think Mike Kafka has done an excellent job in the red zone. I think he's had his shaky games here and there. But listen, he is a rookie offensive coordinator. He's never been tasked with the responsibility of calling plays every single drive of every single game before. This is the first time in his career that he's had to do that. And he's done it pretty well. I, I think he's done a good job this year as a rookie. Uh, and I think that the reason that they found so much success in the passing game with Daniel Jones, and especially in the red zone, is what I mentioned earlier. They know how to attack zones. Last year, you would see a lot of, you know, under Jason Garrett, Darius Slayton run 10 yards, turn around, it's a curl route, and the defense sees it a mile away. This year, you're seeing a lot more RPOs with a slant, or you're seeing a lot of shallow crossers mixed in with a, uh, a crossover the middle of the field, and then a post and a corner, post corner. You see a lot more deep route concepts that opens things up underneath. No, Daniel Jones is not throwing the ball downfield very often, but if you watch every single play that the Giants are running out there, you'll see a receiver going downfield more often than not. Even if he's not getting the ball, it opens things up underneath for those crossers across the middle of the field, and that's really what has been the difference maker for the Giants' offense. I'm, I'm looking at... um. Isaiah Hodgins' route chart on next-gen stats right now. And it's a sight to behold because when you look at it, everything other than that one 
uh, slot fade that he caught the big 30 plus yard game last week. Everything is basically just a slant or a crosser over the middle of the field. You got a post route. You got three crossers from the left side. You got one drag from the right side. You got one flat route from the from the right side as well. So pretty much everything, though, was just over the middle of the field. Just find those pockets in those zones. Like I mentioned earlier, that's what Isaiah Hodgins is really good at. Just finding those pockets in those zones. And that's really all that Mike Kafka has been asking his receivers to do. Just find little open spaces in zone defenses. We don't have the best receivers on this team. They're not excellent route runners. We don't have a Stephon Diggs like Josh Allen has. So we don't have someone who can go out there and just beat man coverage every single play. But what we do have is some receivers who can be sure-handed, find the open pockets in the zone, and an offensive coordinator who knows how to scheme them open against zone coverage. And I think that's really been the main catalyst to success for the Giants offense. And I actually have a great quote from Isaiah Hodgins here. He discussed in an interview recently how playing alongside those guys in Buffalo, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, and some of the others, that really molded him into the receiver that he is today. He said, quote, all those household names that have so much knowledge to give about how to run routes and how to see what a defense is doing, it taught me how to be a real pro as a rookie. I feel like I've taken a lot of what I learned there and used it here with the Giants. I've also tried to take that and help out some of the younger guys here by letting them know what I was taught as a rookie and a second-year player in Buffalo. End quote. So I love that quote from Isaiah Hodgins. As you mentioned, Alex, he is a leader. And that's really demonstrates that right there, that he's already proven to be a leader on the Giants uh, side of things, like already grooming some of these younger guys uh, and rookie receivers to be better players. And he's only in his second year. But what I what a main point I want to take away from that is to see what a defense is doing is something that he said. That's what they do in Buffalo. A lot of those second routes that you just mentioned, Alex, you see Stephon Diggs run a great man beating route, but if they're playing zone, he finds those pockets in the defense because he sees what the defense is doing. That's what Isaiah Hodgins has brought over from Buffalo, and I think that's something that Mike Kafka has also brought over from Kansas City, and that's why he's found so much success early on because the Giants receivers previously weren't used to finding those open pockets in those zones because they were asked to run a lot of man beating routes under Jason Garrett, but this year they're running those routes to find those open pockets and see what the defense is doing. And that's why Isaiah Hodgins is finding that success. And that's why they're they're creating open passing opportunities in the red zone for Daniel Jones. Absolutely. And Daniel Jones, I love how they've been utilizing his legs too in specific scenarios to get the ball in the end zone in the future. Like looking ahead, um, you probably are looking, we're probably looking at Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley staying with the Giants. I think Daniel Jones for sure. Saquon definitely is a little bit more up in the air, but I, I if I had to guess, I'd say he's back with the Giants next year. Um, you still got Wandell Robinson, guys. Like he's coming, he'll be coming back from the ACL tear. We'll see how he is after that. But so many players come back. I mean, look at Saquon, he's killing it now, obviously. Um, OBJ, you know, so many players come back from ACL tears that are totally fine and continue their careers like no problem. And Wandell is so young, I'm pretty confident he'll be just fine in the future, especially since the Giants will be changing that MetLife turf out, thank God. Um, and hopefully uh, a lot less injuries, especially knee stuff um to go with it so you know and then you look at sterling shepherd maybe they come maybe he comes back on a veteran minimum deal and you know big culture guy for us if it's a cheap contract i don't see why you don't bring him back and see what he can do um definitely towards the end of his career with all the injuries and whatnot but i think he does have some value on a very 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 cheap deal guys let me let me re let me say this one more time i'm not saying give sterling shepherds i know people in the comments are already getting in the, they're already starting to type i don't want sterling shepherd i don't want sterling shepherd Minimum contract, $1 million for one year. Are you saying no, Anthony, for Sterling Shepard? $1 million for one year. Absolutely not saying no to that. I would say okay. yes to that every single time. Okay, so if you're in the YouTube comments right now about to write something crazy, $1 million for one year, okay? Just, just hear that, okay? Nothing crazy for Sterling Shepard. Realistically, though, is that a contract that, that you think could get done one year for $1 million? He's coming off an ACL tear. And he had an Achilles tear the year before. What kind of leverage does he have? 
He's got a whole lot of leadership in the locker room. $1.5 million one year. <laughs> Listen, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a cheap deal. I don't think they're going to overpay for Sterling Shepard at all. But base. I, I think I mean, it will be inside the base. And I do think that he'll be back. A lot of fans seem to have this notion that Sterling Shepard is not returning to the Giants. I think that's a crazy notion because Me if too. you look at the, the relationship that he has with Saquon Barkley, that he has with Daniel Jones, and that he has with Odell Beckham Jr., while he had a torn ACL, he was trying to recruit OBJ to a long-term contract with the Giants. Mm -hmm. Think about that. He's a coach, so obviously basically. Sterling Shepard is in his head. He is staying with the Giants long term if he's trying to recruit his friends over here to sure. sign long term deals. So I don't think that Sterling Shepard is going anywhere. Do I think that he's going to be ready for day one next season? Probably not. Do I think he's going to be the same player that he used to be? Definitely not. But I do think that he provides a lot of value in the locker room and on the field when he's healthy. And if he takes that that step backward into more of a reserved role coming off of this injury, playing as the WR3 or the WR4, that reduces his risk at injury because he's playing less, and that means that he can be a more efficient player in the small dosages that he's on the field. So, yeah, I want to bring back Shep, and I think that when we talk about the red zone like we are in this episode, I don't think we've had a better red zone threat than Sterling Shepard over the past six years. He has been tremendous in the red zone when he's healthy. So I'm definitely in the ship where I want to bring Shep back. Yeah, I mean, look at this. If if you do one year, one million with two million dollars in incentives, right? If he passes five hundred yards receiving, he gets another million dollars. If he gets four or five more, if he gets four touchdowns or more, gets another million. You know what I mean? Like you protect yourself, and I think that he would be on board with that because he understands, and he has to understand. I've been injured, and and for the record, look at the wide receiver class in free agency next year. A one year deal with incentives for Sterling Shepard is not a bad option at all because otherwise. We have nowhere to go. There's no receivers. Like we have to draft or we have to trade. And Sterling Shepard is going to be so cheap, guys. And he's a great leader, a leadership guy. Obviously, he, he's been with the Giants for a very long time. I think he deserves an opportunity to try and be a good player for us. You know, I think he still can be. So, I mean, when he was healthy this year, he was making plays for us. And I, I think the ACL is definitely a little bit more of a serious injury. But I love his energy. I think that, you know, keeping him on a, on a very cheap deal is not a bad move at all. So I'd love to hear perspectives on that, specifically a cheap deal. N nothing more. Nothing more than that. Okay. Just don't blow it out of proportion in the comments, please. Um, but with that being said, very excited about this this team's red zone offense moving forward and in the future. Really happy to hear uh, that they're taking big steps forward and being more creative and getting the ball in their playmakers' hands. Always happy to hear your opinions, narratives, um, and perspectives below in the YouTube comments. Make sure to enjoy your New Year's Eve tonight. Don't get too hungover for the game tomorrow, but spend it with some family, some friends, and have a party because we're going in 2023, baby, and we're up borderline playoff team for right now tomorrow we could be a playoff team and then the party really starts and we get to, we get down to working hard and hopefully pushing toward um, a wild card victory moving forward in the postseason and really building that winning culture because right now i'm more about the winning culture than i am about draft picks so i think you guys are in the same boat um as i am and anthony is so hopefully we'll, we'll continue succeeding my friends make sure to have a fantastic rest of your day make sure to like and subscribe as always and we'll catch you guys on the next fireside giants episode